for Naughty by You're listening to the Big Sawara Podcast with Bones and Big Ben, presented by Sawara Sports. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Sawara Podcast. Uh, As usual, it's your boy Bones. It's Big Ben. And uh, boy, it has been a, a crazy week since uh, we, we last recorded uh, our, our last podcast. We had uh, conference tournaments, uh, Pac-12 tournament, tons of drama, uh, a, a few bid stealers, and of course, Selection Sunday. So a lot to get to uh, in this week's podcast. We had the, um, the, the privilege to, uh, and we're very excited to bring on uh, Jody Ayler, he's the host of The Drive, Fox Sports 910. He agreed to come on uh, and talk all NCAA basketball, snubs, uh, predictions, U of A, ASU, everything uh, NCAA basketball. So we were able to talk with him uh, yesterday about uh, Selection Sunday and, and, and uh, shoot the shit, as you, as you would say, a little bit with Jody. So uh, without further ado, here is the interview with Jody Ayler. Joining us today on the Big Saguaro podcast, we are very excited to have him on the show. He is the host of The Drive on Fox Sports 910. He is Jody Ayler. Thanks for joining us today, Jody. What's going on? Not a lot, guys. Just uh, sifting my way through this bracket and getting ready to screw it up as always. <laughs> uh, Jody, Big Ben here. Again, I just want to say thank you for uh, coming on our podcast. Uh, my co-host here, Bones, is a huge ASU fan. So it can get to be a little much at times. Um, I'm sure you know how those ASU fans can be. Uh, so it's just refreshing to have a fellow Wildcat on with us. So thank you again. Yeah, man, my pleasure. I'm glad we can uh, tip the scales in the in the favor of, of the Wildcats. Well, when Big Ben says huge ASU fan, that, that's not really what he means. I didn't go to ASU. It's just if I had to choose between the Cats or the Devils, I'm, I'm going to choose the, the, the Devils. Um, nothing against y'all, but I, I went to school in Louisiana, so... I try to stay, you know, impartial, but I, I do have to choose one of the over one over the other, the other, right? You can't can't go with both. So, no, you you can't straddle the fence. I always <laughs> tell people like I grew up rooting for both U of A and ASU because my family largely went to ASU, and as a kid, you don't really I, I didn't care about rivalries. I just wanted to root for both schools. Yeah. So I've I've been. Uh, I've been to baseball camps at ASU. I've, I, I I don't mind ASU unless they're playing U of A. Then, as a fan, as an alum, I'm, I'm obviously partial to U of A. <laughs> Same way, yeah. My my family was all ASU, and so it's kind of uh, uh, you're brought into it. Uh, but yeah, so so now that you've had time to di- di- digest a little bit of the brackets, Jody, um, any initial thoughts on the field? You know, of '68, did the did the committee get it right? Do they ever get you know, it right? Yeah, you can always nitpick, right? I think the case of USC is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, you you have a second-place team in a Power 5 conference that also played in the conference championship game 
and they got snubbed. But a ninth place team, I mean, ASU getting in, uh, really, I, I think ASU obviously beating two one seeds is, is warranted of getting in the tournament. But I, I think that debate is really, really interesting. Um, ASU is lucky to be in, I think. Uh, I think. I think my initial thought from just the bracket is the NCAA committee is basically telling people we need marquee matchups in non-conference to stay to stay alive, stay relevant, and they're doing everything they can to convince every school and university to schedule big-time non-conference matchups because conference play is is sort of a roll of the dice depending on the way the whole strength of the conference bears out. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the big takeaway from this year, schedule tough and non-conference. St. Mary's got excluded because yep. they didn't play anyone in a non-conference. Yep. So that's, I think that's the big takeaway, which I'm all for. Like, who doesn't love more November, December, uh, awesome college yeah. basketball games? So, so it's safe to say you're not on the ASU train, Jody? I don't know, man. I've been saying for months I thought they were a Sweet 16 team. And now that they're – here's the problem. They're playing Syracuse, which is obviously going to zone the daylights out of them. Yeah. ASU struggled to shoot the ball. Yeah. Um, I, that's a really tough matchup. But um, – I think ASU's got a good chance. Uh, just you know, they they're they're hard to predict. They really. Yeah, are. I, I, I like this ASU team a lot, but they're tough to predict. I would have loved to see ASU and Oklahoma go at it in a uh, in a play-in game. I feel like that'd have been absolutely no defense played, just everybody jacking up threes, and let's see who can score the most points, right? Oh man, you would have had. I mean, out of that matchup, you'd have four of what maybe the fifteen or twenty best guards in the country in one game and that would have been amazing so yeah i'm, dis- I'm disappointed then you look at the other one like ucla and state bonaventure like my first crack at it i thought ucla not only winning that game but i think they could win a game yeah, or two in the tournament right. with Aaron holiday and thomas welsh I've, I've seen a few people have them rolling more than just you know bonaventure you know you know taking on who would it be in the next round beating florida in the next round who's obviously yeah. a vulnerable opponent so yeah not much lo- not much respect out there for florida right now yeah yeah it seems so and um, I did see you recently quoted a tweet that mentioned how um, the NCAA put Arizona in a tough bracket in order to minimize their chances of succeeding due to the ongoing FBI investigation. And that, I guess, the same could be said for USC and Louisville being left out of the tournament. So what's your, your take and thought on that? I mean, as objectively as possible, right. I think if you just look at this from a business perspective, why would the NCAA want a full weekend that's used to celebrate the best of its sport dedicated to rehashing this massive scandal that may engulf the sport. And so I don't think it's necessary. Like, I don't think it's rigged that USC is out, even though it's suspicious given their RPI and strength of schedule. But you look at U of A, I mean, they were originally in that first seeding unveiling, the 16th seed uh, a few weeks ago. They've gone eight and one in their last nine. They won the conference regular season. They won the conference tournament, and they didn't move from that sixteen overall seed. And not only that, they're in the top seed, obviously overalls region. They've got Kentucky in the second round, which of the five seeds is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I just look at it. If I were the NCAA, I can't blame them for that because who outside of Tucson? wants to see Arizona succeed and rehash that for a week. Yeah. Right. So you agree that that U of A was seated way too low. And I, I agree with you. They should have been a, a 
you know, at least a three seed, especially after the way they performed the last, um, you know, few weeks of the season and running through the Pac-12 tournament like they did. Yeah, I thought they were three seed. I really did. I, I can't believe, I mean, I looked at the overall seeding for the tournament and I think the top eight are tough to argue with, but, you know, you Arizona and Auburn, Arizona, you know, Clemson, Texas Tech. Uh, honestly, I think the way Arizona finished the season would have warranted them leapfrogging a handful of those teams. Yeah. I, I get U of A doesn't have a great non-conference resume. They squandered that by losing to Purdue and a few other teams in the Bahamas. But it's it is it, to me it's it's a little suspicious that they didn't move from that four seed and got put with. Virginia and Kentucky. That's that's a brutal path. It's, it's to, collusion, uh, Jody. It's it's total collusion. That's always my yeah, excuse. I mean, it could be. Who knows? <laughs> and uh, seeing where U of A is in their respective bracket, and seeing where ASU is, um, where do you th- or how far do you see each Arizona team going in this tournament? It's tough. I think um, you know I've got Arizona losing to Kentucky right now in the second round. I just think yeah, I, and I'm not I'm not. I can't say I feel that strong of a conviction about it. I just think the way Kentucky's playing. On the other hand, DeAndre Ayton could just chew up and spit out every front court he sees. Yeah. Especially if he's playing like 30, 35 thing. points a game. You can just ride him out that whole game. So, yeah, it depends if DeAndre plays the game that he, he can play or just kind of see how far they can ride DeAndre into the tournament. Yeah, and frankly, I thought the big – the big improvement in the Pac-12 tournament was Parker Jackson Cartwright, the yeah. point guard play. So if if they can get that kind of PJC and Trier and Aiden and Raleigh Alkins, you know, sending the dude to his early grave. Uh, <laughs> that I, was I, insane. I, they could absolutely beat Kentucky and frankly, taking on a Virginia team that's the least, you know, they're, they're the best defense, but the worst offense. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I would love to see that matchup with Arizona, but I'm I'm a little worried about that Kentucky second round ASU. Right now, I'd probably have Syracuse beating them um, just because they've struggled to shoot the ball so much. Mm-hmm. And Syracuse, it's what they they do a zone better than anybody in the country. So um, I would probably take them to to be to be bounced in that first four or whatever they call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm no you know U of A expert by any means, obviously. Uh, but I thought that the the improved play, at least from my point of view, of Dusan Ristich, um, especially later on in conference play, I think if you have him and Aiton going down low, it's really hard to stop you guys. And I think that you know opens up opportunities for Jack Parker, Jackson, Cartwright, and, and for for Trier on uh, you know outside the three point line. So I'm not, not a U of A expert by any means, but it seems like all the games that I've watched, whenever Dusan Ristich is you know making those mid-range shot and going down low and scoring, and it seems to open it up for everybody else. It's true. I mean, listen, um, I've, I've been wrong about this. As you guys know, if you listen to the show, I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. But, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that Dusan Ristich and DeAndre Ayton have, have been on the floor as often as they have together. And I think the big challenge for Arizona is the teams that can make them pay ASU is a great example. ASU played U of A very tight in two games, and they're a unique team. Not a lot of teams have their firepower in the backcourt, but if a team can get Arizona up and down the floor and and turn it into a three-point shooting contest, it neutralizes that size. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know, to be honest with you, a ton about Buffalo right now. I haven't dove too deep into what they bring. 
that's just I, I'm I'm allowed to disrespect Buffalo because I'm not a coach <laughs> or a player, so I'm not too worried. Um, but Kentucky's not a great three point shooting team, so maybe I'll rehash that that matchup uh, in the next day or two. But I honestly thought playing two seven footers in 2018 was just about the dumbest thing that Sean Miller could have done with that <laughs> team, and here we are. And and to your point, I agree. I mean, there are times where that size has just overwhelmed yeah. opponents. And maybe that's the Pac-12. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, I think Arizona's weak link continues to be three-point shooting. And uh, if they fall in love with the three, we saw you know, pretty recently uh, with, with DeAndre Ayton in the Stanford game, they, they've gone away from Ayton for stretches at a time inexplicably. Mm-hmm. So if that happens in the tournament, they they could be in for an early exit, but, uh, you know, Trier and Aiton are about as good of a one-two punch in the country, but who knows how that, how far that can take them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What uh, Do you see any, um, you know, double-digit seeds in the bracket at first glance who might, you know, uh, uh, make a deep run in the tournament? Um, I'm, the, I'm the guy that typically fills out the bracket and I have way too many double-digit seeds for no real reason that <laughs> yeah. advance, and so I tend to fall in love with that. But first glance, I think there's there's a few teams that I think could. I think the Mexico State's kind of interesting, to be yeah. honest with you. They, um, they seem to I be think, one on a lot of people's list as as one who could sort of, uh, um, you know, get through to the Sweet Sixteen and even further, maybe. They're a good team, and uh, the fact that they got Clemson and Auburn as the top seeds in their way, I'm not in love with either one of those teams. So I think New Mexico State's kind of interesting. Um, uh, double digits, like I said, I've got UCLA possibly as a Sweet 16 team if they beat State Bonaventure and and then beat Florida and, and Texas Tech. Um, those are probably the only double-digit seeds I've got going mm. in, into the Sweet 16. So is that is that the only 12-5? You know, every year there's always a 12-5 upset. Is that your 12-5, the New Mexico State over Clemson, or do you see any other possible 12-5 upsets in the field? I look at South Dakota State and, and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, is another one. I'm not I'm not a big Ohio State believer. Um, I think there's a chance that they could they could pull off the upset from the 12 line. And then uh, that's probably the, the next best. I've got, uh, let's see, what's the other 512? Yeah, I've got Kentucky obviously beating Davidson. And, and uh, so Clemson and uh, Ohio State are probably the two most vulnerable, in my opinion, from that five line. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, I think it, it's general consensus that the South, the South is pretty much the group of death. Um, when it comes to to the regions, um, have you boiled it down? Do you have the you know at least an initial final four in mind and a and a national champion, or are you not there yet? Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally there yet. I'll say this: I don't have a one seed right now in my final four, and I'm a, I'm a big believer that this year there isn't a great team. I don't think there's any team that is significantly better than anybody else. Um, I think three through five seed oftentimes like Arizona is a perfect example I don't think Arizona is at a decided disadvantage against Virginia I think the talent gap between those two teams you could argue lies in the favor of Arizona Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's unusual in this year that a one seed aside from maybe Villanova um listen I think Xavier's going to fall victim to the Gonzaga curse when Gonzaga got that one seed 
it's it's not a good thing for a for a mid major to get that one seed. I think they could go in the second round the yeah. way Gonzaga did a few years ago. So um, I'm not, that's that's probably my biggest theme is I'm not a believer this year in, in the one seed. It's for sure. Yeah. What is it going to take for a team like Arizona to uh, to make it to the Final Four? Uh, for Arizona specifically, I think they're just going to have to get Parker Jackson Cartwright to continue to play at a high level. I think they're going to need Dylan Smith to step up and knock down open threes to try to keep pace there. Um, Alonzo Trier is is physically incapable of passing the basketball. And so requiring him to do anything other than score is, is probably unrealistic. So I think the other guy's got to step up and, and you mentioned it earlier, you know, you guys mentioned it earlier with Ristich. He's been playing at a really high level. What's yeah. funny about him is he was arguably the most disliked member of this Arizona mm-hmm. basketball team for like the first six weeks of the season. Like, People, you could hear the collective <laughs> groaning and eye rolling when Ristich would touch the ball, and now he's like a cult hero. Down yeah, there. I mean, he's a folk hero. What? What is? And, it, what is it when he sticks his arm up above his head and makes a triangle? What is that? I don't. I don't know what that is, but it, it seems to be know. catching fire. I don't know, man. I have no idea. That's like the skull clap with the Vikings, but then he just holds it. Now I see everyone at the freaking arena last night, you know, holding their hands above their head. I'm like, I guess, I guess everyone's rolling with it. The fact that Dusan Ristich has a celebratory gesture after a shot <laughs> is the greatest thing ever. Were like, you at the Were you at the bar last night, holding your hands above your head as he was doing it coming out of the game, or what? <laughs> it was hilarious. It's, those those uh, celebrations they come after like a soft twenty foot jump shot, you know? <laughs> or a or a or a low post move. He's in slow motion and in quicksand at the same time, and then he throws up. I don't know what it is. That's just one of those things I haven't taken the time to figure it out. It's hilarious. I think it actually caught heat as soon as I when they were uh, playing ASU, and then he drilled about three threes in a row, and I think that just yeah. caught fire. Then he just started. Putting up the signs when he got back. To what, what, what does that what does that even mean? Is that an A for Arizona? Is that like a, some sort of um, European thing? What is that? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. My, it's got to be the A, right? That's the only I, thing I that would, makes sense. I would think so, but I mean, you, you never know with that guy. I don't. I, no one, no one, like other than Dusan Ristich, would basically uh, do a YMCA move <laughs> to celebrate. Like, I mean, it's the limit. <laughs> It's it's so perfect for him. He's he's a super nice guy, but it's kind of a lame thing that people love just because he's 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 like one of those guys. He's so uncool. He's kind of cool. You yeah. Know what I, mean? <laughs> and I, I think it was on senior night. He took off his jersey and his undershirt said like Tucson loves Tucson, which is great. Which, which is great. What a that, rhyme. That, that's per- that should I mean that should be pretty much like you know how Russell Wilson will end any interview he ever gives by saying Go Hawks or something like yeah. that like. Doosan, everything, every interview Doosan gives from now until the end of his playing career should just be Doosan loves Doosan. <laughs> he will he will never find a place that loves him more than apparently uh, Arizona fans have come around on, who loathed him for two months. And my Twitter feed would be clogged with, Ristich needs to sit, Sean Miller's an idiot, and now it's, he's flashing signs wearing yeah. novelty t-shirts on senior night <laughs> we have we have a, a, a one of our our bloggers and he you know u of a alumni so huge u of a fan and i remember getting numerous texts at the beginning of the year from him you know 
if if Deuce on wrist stitch ever effing takes another shot, you know, outside of the paint, I'm gonna kill Sean Miller, you know, just and I'm just like, dude, relax, relax, man. It's okay. And to your point, they were they wanted his head at the beginning of the year, and now it's like he sends me all these deuce on and all caps and exclamation points. And I'm like, dude, do I need to scroll through the timeline to show you what you were just saying a few weeks ago? It's like everyone, every Arizona basketball fan is the middle schooler who has a crush on a girl and teases her and mocks her relentlessly. And then finally, you know, they, they go to the winter formal together. It's just the weirdest thing. The, the other crazy part about that is like Alonzo Trier was beloved. Everybody loved Trier. You know, last year, obviously, with the PED suspension yeah. and and sort of the suspicion around the accuracy of that. And then he started the season as, you know, at the top of the food chain for Arizona fan favorites. And I would argue now that for most Arizona fans, he's one of the most frustrating, mm-hmm. difficult players to watch and root for because his style of play is just can be incredibly frustrating. So. I don't think anybody would have guessed that Ristich would be a cult folk hero and Trier would be a kind of a villain, but that's uh, where, here we are. Then I, I just want to go out on the limb and say Ristich is more of a fan favorite than DeAndre Aiden. It's not going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. The, the antics that he, he does, it just it, it grabs your attention and makes you want to like him. I don't know. Well, the, the thing about Ristich is that he shows some personality. Like, they haven't let Aiton do anything to show his personality. We're getting a little bit here. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough sell on me. I would imagine <laughs> just Aiton's overwhelming general awesomeness is all he needs to be a fan favorite, kind of right? I just, I just thought I'd put it out there and see, see, see what you thought. <laughs> yeah. I'm being I'm – be, I, I would – I'm going to I'm gonna swat that away like uh, DeAndre Aiton will – occasionally play defense and swat a shot. <laughs> I think I think it plays to y'all's hand, though. Like you said, uh, I mean, from what I've seen, what makes U of A so deadly is the fact that maybe Trier hasn't even been the Alonzo Trier that y'all thought he would be, at least the past few games or of, of recent since he's come back from, from the suspension. And that's what makes you guys deadly, is if you can get Trier and, and Aiton and then Ristich going, like, who knows? I mean, yeah, I thought we saw in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, DeAndre Ayton had, you know, 4 of 14 shooting yep. for 10 points, but all five starters were in double digits, which is the balance this Arizona team has and is capable of, but they have so often this year got lost in this extreme two-man game, high-low Ayton Trier, that's taken three guys at, at any point on the floor with those two and just neutered them. I mean, just just castrated them <laughs> offensively to where they're just standing around, and no one wants to play basketball that way, and no one wants to be told, essentially, like, we're just going to go with these two guys. And what they've found, at, that if you're an Arizona fan, you hope is sustainable, is some balance, and Trier is essentially more of a spot-up three-point shooter and, and a guy that you get in transition, but no longer is dribbling at the top of the key for 19 seconds until he forces up his own shot. So if that if that transition offensively has, in fact, occurred, uh, Arizona could absolutely make a very deep run. Because, listen, Parker Jackson Cartwright's a good college player. He's not great. He's not a great point guard, but he's good. Raleigh Alkins is, could potentially very good. Uh, I think he got a little too too thick. I think he got the NBA feedback and he needed to put on some weight. He, he, he's lost a little... 
explosiveness. I know I'm saying this after he, he had that dunk, but for the most part this year, we haven't seen the same Raleigh Alkins as we saw last year. So we'll see if, if that balance can hold up. If so, it could mean some very good things for the Wildcats. Yeah. And I actually caravan, uh, caravan down to Vegas last night for the game. And I think the biggest thing I took away from the game is just one thing that kind of makes me nervous is the turnovers and the, the panic when teams put on pressures. And you even saw that against ASU because I went down to Tucson for the ASU-U of A game as well. And when ASU put on the press, it just seems U of A was so panicked and that kind of forced a lot of turnovers. So I think if they can get that into check, then – Hopefully everything else will fall together. But that's one thing that kind of makes me nervous when teams uh, teams put on the pressure. I said this the other day on the air, and I, I, I believe it is. The possibilities for Arizona's postseason, I could see them losing in the first round. I could see them winning the national championship. Both those options and everything in between have about equal chances of happening. Like I, I've seen this Arizona team struggle for 30 minutes against Oregon State when they should never struggle against a team that's that poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've seen them flip on the afterburners and just dust teams that, that make you think they're the best team in the country. So it, they're a really difficult team to predict. But I believe that they have known all season that they were going to only be judged by what they do in the tournament. And I think what we saw in Vegas was an Arizona team rising to the challenge of the postseason. Kind of like you see this a lot in the NBA. Teams kind of get bored in the regular season when they know how good they are. I think Arizona kind of has known how good they are, and uh, they're playing at a much higher level right now. If they carry that into this tournament, again, the sky's the limit, but um, it's also possible they don't have that luxury. And and what a great 30 for 30 that'll be, you know, in like 20 years when it – it's a story about how, you know, Sean Miller got, uh, you know, almost got fired. Trier was, was suspended. <laughs> they come back and win the national championship, and then all of it's wiped away when they find out that uh, Sean Miller was, was paying his players. Great 30 for 30, and, you know, if, if that were to happen. I almost the, – the number one reason I think that would be such a fun thing to happen is to watch the national media drill Sean Miller <laughs> in those press conferences and, like, Sean Miller does not, he does, you know, he, he will not tolerate that kind of, so see those, see ESPN have to ask Sean Miller questions in an open press conference. <laughs> Would Mark Schlebaugh show his face at a final four presser <laughs> and ask Sean Miller to, you know, to a duel or something like, I mean, the, the circus around it would be amazing if it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so just, just so we're not, you know, I guess putting all the attention on the Wildcats here, you can keep it short and simple. Cause I'm sure that's all it's going to take to answer this question. What does ASU need to do to, to make a run in the tournament? I mean, they gotta, they gotta show that they're capable of being the ASU team from November and December, which is an eternity ago. Um, they were a legitimate, great team at that point, And they had a next level. ASU has a fourth gear or a fifth gear that most teams don't have, but they haven't gotten to that next level throughout the entire PAC 12 season. I mean, they'd flip it on against San Diego state and demolish them. Xavier demolish them. They did it against Kansas on the road, demolished them. We just haven't seen it since. Um, So if they, if they rediscover that, like if they can somehow rediscover December in, in March, 
I mean, they could win. I mean, TCU's – Jamie Dixon's a great coach, but uh, TCU's not a, an impossible team to beat in that, that you know, first mm-hmm. official round. And uh, they have a matchup against Michigan State with, you know, Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson yeah. likely ready to, to just <laughs> destroy them. That but, wouldn't I be mean, fair. If ASU wins a playoff game, it's it's a validation for the season. Oh, so. of course. We'll yeah. see. I, I mean, I'm I'm intrigued by him, but Syracuse's zone and the way ASU shot the ball yeah. uh, is is tough. It, it seems um, when ASU gets down, they they certainly seem to press and they start taking. I mean, they take bad threes as it is, but when they get down, like you saw in that Colorado game, they were taking some from 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 way downtown, and it's just you're not you know realistically those aren't going to go in for you, and it just seems like. Um, they find themselves when they get down like that, they, they, they take even worse shots and, and it just, it hasn't been a formula for them since, uh, yeah, since, since pretty much the U of A, the first loss to U of A, it's kind of been the way it's gone for them. And you can't blame them. I mean, what else are they going to do? Exactly. They have literally no inside presence. Romello White's been in foul trouble. He's disappeared. Daquan Lake is, you know, basically a barely functioning basketball player at this point. Yeah. So it's like, if, if they get down, they can't slow it down and dump it into a wrist ditch or Aiton or whomever, you know, and just settle themselves down. And so they just start firing up shots. And they they got to live by it. They got to die by yeah. it. And that's um, where the, the committee screwed up. They, they, they should have put ASU and Oklahoma in the play, playing I game. Agree. It would have been the best playing game the, the country's ever seen. I mean, those are two teams that were in the top five at one point this year. Exactly. How could you ever have a better playing game? It, I know. I mean, it would. I mean, that's what the people wanted, Jody. I agree. Uh, no, I, I think the people were clamoring for a St. Bonaventure play. <laughs> That's it. I don't, I, I don't one of the Bonnies and the Bruins. That's way better. I feel like the NCAA needs to hire someone who understands TV because the selection show was a debacle. Something as simple as a play-in game, like Oklahoma ASU is the most hyped play-in game the NCAA could have possibly had. And they just squander that. I mean, they, they have no idea what to do. It's, it's crazy to me. Did you guys like the selection show this year? I thought it was trash. No, I, 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 I didn't like it in the fact that it was kind of, you know, saying we're going in alphabetical order and all that kind of stuff. It just was a little bit, sh- you know, too showmany for me. You know, it's like, um, I don't know. I just... I guess maybe I'm just used to the the old way of revealing the bracket, you know, little by little, as opposed to just going, um, you know, alphabetical order, because that kind of takes out all the suspension, right? If they're past, you know, if you're uh, USC and they get past your, you know, whatever your name in the alphabet, you know, it's over. If if like, I don't know what TV shows you guys watch, but like, let, do you either one you watch Game of Thrones? You ever seen Game of Thrones? Love it. Big Ben. Love Big okay. Ben might be favorite show. The, yeah, like a, a junkie. Perfect. So let's say HBO decided before every Game of Thrones episode, uh, before the opening credits, to show you which characters were still alive and which characters <laughs> were no longer alive, and then at show the you the episode. That episode. <laughs> And then you saw in alphabetical order all of the characters who were still alive, and then you still were asked to watch the show. Does that make any sense whatsoever? No, none I mean, whatsoever. It's the dumbest thing they could have done. They're they're just. I mean, it's TV one hundred and one. It's insane. 
Yeah, and it, it didn't help that, I don't know if you watched it live, the the audio wasn't syncing up with the list. Yeah. Did you see that? I did, yeah. I and, mean, everyone, that was like the Sopranos finale, where you weren't <laughs> sure if it was your TV or exactly. cable connection, you're up there but then banging Twitter and, was there, everyone was saying it on Twitter, so <laughs> I, I was also super annoyed that Ernie Johnson was like doing a stand-up set at the Yuck Yuck Club, <laughs> like... He he was he was like you said he was kind of a show he was hamming it up I'm like dude just just show us the teams and once I will say this once once they got to revealing the bracket they zipped through it really well I appreciated that but spoiling who was in and who wasn't I was just absurd <laughs> I, I I will say though any show that's got Barkley in it I I will watch I will watch if Barkley's on it because you absolutely never know what the dude is gonna say. Did you see that he's picked Arizona in the Final Four seven straight years? And then he picked him again this year too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the seventh straight year, and every year he says the but, same thing. But, like, well, but, I live in Arizona. I got a chance to see him more than everybody. I'm like, I do believe this year. Final Four. Is that a curse? Is that, is yeah, that the guess. Barkley curse? But yeah. yeah, he did say that this year was the year, so we'll, we'll see if that, <laughs> that holds true. <laughs> Good for Chuck. <laughs> but uh, Jody, yeah. just to switch gears here just for a second um, – I feel like the whole Sean Miller FBI investigations um, kind of overshadowed the whole Book Richardson scandal at the start of the year. Um, so with that, do you feel like the NCAA will impose some sanctions for the Book Richardson scandal for next year? Or? No, I mean, everything that I've been sort of told about and know about these FBI cases is they take years potentially to litigate and to to really see through. So uh, it's it's it's... The NCAA cannot and likely will not act until the FBI investigation has run its course. Um, And so in that regards, they're at the mercy of the pace of the federal government prosecuting what's still an ongoing investigation. They haven't even wrapped up this investigation. Once the investigation gets wrapped up, then you go through all the legal proceedings and maneuverings and dates and moving dates. We we haven't even begun that process. And so at this point, the the most damaging part about that ESPN report for for Arizona is that it created the perception that there is more to the FBI case than there may actually be. Now, there may be be more. I, I can't say definitively one way or another, but essentially Arizona today is at the exact same place. Arizona was at at the start of the season once we knew they were being uh, investigated with the book Richardson scandal nothing has changed I mean nothing has really tangibly changed with the case ultimately you know once the case is resolved I think it's almost 100 percent 99.9 percent that Arizona will face some sanctions because of Book Richardson's involvement, but we just don't know the scope of that. And uh, until we do, it's it's unfair to sort of hold, treat Arizona differently than any other school that's involved in it. Um, and and so we'll see. I just I think we're I think we're years away from it, unfortunately. And uh, you can definitely see the ramifications so far with the premature reporting of Schlaubeck. I mean, already a few recruits have decommitted. They have no signed recruits in 2018. I mean, next year they're losing Lorenzo Ramar, Aiden Trier, PJC, Pinder, Ristage, Alkins. So it's going to be a completely different team. And you almost got to worry about who's going to replace those guys if you have no recruits kind of signed through. So Yeah, they lose their entire starting five. Yeah. 
you know, and and we don't know if any of the freshmen this year are going to transfer. That would be the most damaging case. If they return everybody next year, everybody stays put, doesn't transfer. They've got a really good core group of six guys when you include Chase Jeter, the former five-star Duke commit who transferred to U of A. I, I do feel like on, Barcelo as well. Yeah, Barcelo, Barcelo I think could capably be very good. Randolph and ACOT with another year could be very good. So, Assuming no one transfers or pulls a Kobe Simmons, who just inexplicably declares for an NBA <laughs> draft after a terrible freshman year, they're they're still in good enough shape to land a couple grad of tra- one or two grad transfers, one or two, you know, uh, maybe three ish star guys, and they'll contend in the Pac-12. They're not going to contend out of the gates for a final four national championship, the way Sean Miller built that program the last five years, but there's, they're, they're in decent shape going forward. So, so Jody, um, who wins it all this year? Who do you got? Give it, give us one team that you think you think is going to, going to make the run and, and be cutting down the nets. I'm a sucker every year. I never learn my lesson. I will never learn my lesson their involvement in one of the most despicable uh, cases involving a college athletic department has not clouded my judgment. Apparently, Michigan State. I'm a I'm a Tom Izzo lifer. As long as they got a pulse, they got a chance to win it all. You know, was it last year or the year before where everyone had them in the final the, four and they the, got bounced in the, the first round? The year before, chaos. yeah, the year before Middle Tennessee knocked them out in the very first round, screwed up a lot, a lot of brackets, mine included. Yeah, mine too, and I I will learn nothing from that or any <laughs> other Michigan State failures. I, like I said, I it's like when Billy Donovan was at Florida. Every year I put Billy Donovan's Florida team to the final four, and so to yeah. me, Michigan State, I love. Jaron Jackson. I don't think people understand when we're talking about the Suns draft pick, you've got a seven footer in Jaron Jackson who shoots 80 plus percent from the free throw line, who shoots 40 plus percent from the three point line, who's a defensive menace. And because he's a freshman with Tom Izzo, he's, he's not the focal point of the team, but he's probably the best player in the country. People aren't talking about, and uh, he's not, DeAndre Ayton-esque, but he's pretty close to it, mm-hmm. and he's got a really good team around him. So to me, I think Michigan State's um, a, a, a nice team to look at. I like it. I like it. At least initial, I'm 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 gonna go with with Kansas. I just like the way they're mm-hmm. playing right now, and if Azubuki can come back and um, you know give them some good minutes and be that sort of down low presence, I like Kansas as well. Kansas is an interesting choice because they're. There's some similarities between Kansas and what North Carolina did last year, mm-hmm. which is there's probably not a legitimate NBA star on Kansas's roster, but it's this blue blood program that top to bottom has capable players. And a year ago, I think I think most people forget that North Carolina won the national championship last year because they have zero star power. Yeah. Like there's no one on that North Carolina team a year ago, or even this year, that's warranted any NBA conversation. I know Justin Jackson got drafted, but it was by the, you know, where the Kings drafted yeah. him. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, asterisk, but yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think Kansas is a bad call. They kind of remind me a little bit of North Carolina from a year ago. So, so I, I do have to ask you one question because, um, 
uh, it's been burning, uh, burning through my, my mind uh, while we've been talking. So uh, is there a rivalry between uh, Arizona sports radio stations? Like, uh, you know, if, if you see like Gam- Burns and Gambo or, or Wolfley out, you know, grabbing lunch, are you calling up like the, you know, Fox Sports 910 posse and bringing your, your <laughs> nunchucks and your, your, your nail studded bats and having a, a brawl or what? Yeah, I mean, listen, I would I would take John Gambadoro's mother out for a nice seafood dinner and never call her again. So, I mean, <laughs> and never call her back. <laughs> never call her back. Uh, the nine um, ten posse is essentially myself and uh, Bo Brock, and so we're uh, we we like to joke we have the best hair of any radio show in in Phoenix. So if they want to get into a hair off, um, we could definitely take them in that regard. I listen, I. I'm a, I'm a super competitive guy. Um, some of those guys I know and I like. Some of those guys I don't know, and I, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of their on-air style. Yeah. But, you know, listen, a lot of them have, have been hanging around for a long time, so they're doing something right. Yeah. But, I, uh, um, I I have to admit I, I do listen to 98.7 every once in a while, but it, it purely is to listen to Gambo just – to put it bluntly, make himself sound like an idiot. I don't know if you feel the same way. It's just I, I find it so hard to listen to that guy. Um, so I mean, take it for what it's worth. But um, I just my my whole thing is like, listen, everyone's style subjective, right? You, yeah. People can listen to Dan Patrick, who to me is the greatest sports radio host every morning. And they, yeah, they, they there's people that can listen to Dan Patrick and say this guy sucks. I can't believe he's doing radio. Yeah. And so it's super subjective. My issue with 98.7 is that at times it's insulting to people's intelligence yes. that they're not a more transparent, accountable sports station when you have the rights as they do. It gives you an advantage in terms of listenership. But it also creates a business relationship that doesn't allow you to talk about the, the the issues in the teams the way I think most people watching do. And so that's that's where we try to really establish ourselves is like if you listen to the drive, you're you're gonna get an unfiltered, um, no holds barred opinion analysis. And it's not just being negative for the sake of being negative, like the sons have missed the playoffs for eight years. If you listen to a radio host tell you that they're one player away from being a playoff team, that's mm. insanely stupid, you know. And the Sun struggles, you will not hear Robert Sarver being called out because they can't call out the owner of a team that they're in business with. Yeah. And that's outrageous to me because Robert Sarver should be publicly accountable for taking what was the most, you know, prideful sports team in the Valley to making it a, a the butt of jokes in the NBA. I mean, they're a laughing stock. It's incredible. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the rivalry is, mm. you know, uh, I get, I get frustrated that people don't, <laughs> don't see that, but you know, Hey, you, you had me laughing so hard. One segment where you guys, I think it was you and Bo were, were playing, come on, ride the train on repeat after the Hermes was hiring. And I was literally laughing out loud in my car for like five minutes as you all just kept playing that, that clip over and over again. That, that whole press conference to this day is one of the most surreal press conferences I've ever seen in sports. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I mean, 
who knows with Herm Edwards? Yeah. That's that's a whole other can of worms. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a rivalry. I don't know, you know. But we're 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 there to to, to beat their ass, and yeah. hopefully, you know, we're we do a better job, and we just put on the best show we can, and people listen. That's cool, you know. Yep. And <clears throat> Jody, last question before we let you go. Um, I gotta know who would you say your favorite Seinfeld character is, and why? I'm a big Georgia guy with the whole scene where he's. I was in the pool. That just grabbed my attention. That's my favorite scene. So, I'm. This is. I'm a. I just love Jerry. Like to me, Jerry is the whole epicenter of that show. Obviously, it's named after him. But um, I, I love that character and the way everyone sort of. It's like he's Steve Nash, you know, and everyone else around, he, he sets everyone else up beautifully. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, if we want to start going deep cuts on like Seinfeld characters, I mean, we could putty is, you know, amazing in, in his own right. <laughs> you know, Jay Peterman's hilarious. So <laughs> you guys should start a Seinfeld podcast and we'll just, Ooh. we'll just talk about it I for hours. If, I don't know if on your level, I, I better start, start binge watching on Netflix. If I, I need to catch up. You've not watched the whole series? I have not. It used to be late night staying up with my dad, actually, when I was young and, and watching Seinfeld. So I do have a pretty solid Seinfeld knowledge. I just have never seen the entire series end to end. Yeah, man, you got to get on that. That is <laughs> that is critical for sure. Uh, I would have never agreed to do this podcast. Had I oh, that. Well, thank God we didn't tell you till the very end. <laughs> uh, well, well we, we do appreciate you coming on, Jody. And, and, and Saworo, so... Swirl Sports is doing a little uh, March Madness bracket challenge, and so we're inviting all of our followers and, and our listeners to uh, to fill out a bracket uh, with us via a group we created on ESPN, and we're giving out a, a Archie Bradley signed baseball to the winner. So I don't know if that interests you at all, but we'd love to have you join at least you know the March Madness bracket challenge to see how you stack up with the rest of our uh, our listeners. So yeah, man, I'll hop in for sure, and I I take zero. Um, the tournament performance is lame as this to say, I, I take zero pride in because it's such a crap shoot, yeah. but I, I love trying to figure it out each and every year. <laughs> awesome. Well, we appreciate it, Jody. And thanks again for coming on and, and we'll be sure to, to, to keep listening to you on the drive. You guys are awesome, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Enjoyed it. And, uh, always happy to do it again down the road. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Jody. Thank you, Jody. Have a good All one. Right, guys. Appreciate Have it. A great night. Yep. Wow, Jody Ayler, what a great guy. Great conversation. Funny dude. Definitely doesn't hurt that he is a Arizona Wildcat fan, so I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed that. You know, he's one of the few Wildcat fans that I do uh, know and like. So it's it's uh, it's it's hard to find someone that, that brings that kind of dynamic to the table who's a good guy and he's a Wildcat fan. And the fact that he's a Seinfeld fan does not hurt whatsoever. Does not hurt one bit. So... I want to say thank you again, Jody, for joining us on the Big Saworo Podcast. It was great to have you. Uh, look forward to listening to you uh, uh, on the drive. Always a good listen. If you haven't listened, please do tune in to Jody. I think he's Arizona time from like 4 to 7 on, on Fox Sports 910, so make sure you tune in to, uh, to Jody and his sidekick, Bo. Uh, as for us here at the Big Saworo Podcast, we are out. Got anything to add, Big Ben? I don't. Uh, bear down. Forks up. Uh, whatever you yeah, guys. Ho- hopefully. Whatever, whatever the- Side of the fence you guys find yourself on. Whatever side you sit on, hopefully come next Sunday, uh, both of those teams are still in the tournament. We can talk a little bit more about them. Uh, Guess that's it. Later, y'all.